0: Hi ladies, we are Andrea and Carol, coming at you from the International Women's Association in Graz, Austria.
1: We are women supporting women in all stages and seasons of life and from different parts of the world. Our members come from different backgrounds and life experiences and we are excited to share them here with you. For more
0: information, we invite you to check us out on our website at iwagraz.org. And jetzt los
1: geht's. Hello, ladies, and welcome. Actually, you know what? I should say hello, listeners, because I yeah. do know that we have a few guys out there who have listened to our episodes now. So okay, so hello listeners. Welcome to our IWA holiday traditions from around the world podcast episode. It's Carol and Andrea here today, and we are excited to be with you um, remotely because we are remote, (laughs) (laughs) rocking and rolling from the comfort of our own places today. Um, But it's a gorgeous day outside. The sun is shining. So that's kind of nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. I can see like the blue sky and the white clouds through my window, So yeah,
2: I pretend
0: we are outside.
1: (laughs) Enjoying and soaking up a little bit of the vitamin D. So I can't believe it, but it's already just a few days, literally just a few days away from Christmas, which is unbelievably insane to me. Um, But we are there. Hanukkah has already come and gone. And this whole episode is all about the different holiday traditions during this month and even some that occur in January that are really big holiday traditions as well. Um, So just to give a few housekeeping items up front, Andrea and I are not experts. We don't celebrate all of these holidays. We may celebrate a couple of them um, but we are definitely not experts and we did research of course obviously for this episode but our research certainly consists the majority of it from not only other members in our group, but also the lovely and fabulous World Wide Web. So you please must give us a little grace if we get a holiday tradition or a part of the world and how they celebrate that holiday tradition, perhaps not quite accurately as to what you know, please correct us, contact us, reach out to us, email us, or uh, put something out on Facebook for us so that we can make sure that our members are hearing the most accurate information. Um, But obviously we are working with the resources we have. And so we're just putting out there the stipulation that we apologize up front if we incorrectly or inaccurately represent either your country or your tradition it's and not our fault right 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 <laughs> and we ask you to um chime in and and give us your perspective and and correct us certainly in that instance so that is our first housekeeping item to state And we appreciate your uh, grace and patience with us as we go through them all, because we found some really interesting ones, really interesting ones. Um, And we have a few clips and audio things from some of our members and people who have shared their traditions with us as well, which is great. So, Andrea, where should we begin?
0: I don't know exactly, but if you want, I can take you to Cuba.
1: Oh, perfect. Sounds fabulous. So, Cuba's probably a, a lot warmer these days right now.
0: Yeah, I think so. And uh, maybe I'm a little bit biased and I chose countries in which I want to travel or, or so. So <laughs> Love we it. came across Cuba. So in Cuba at midnight on St. Sylvester's Day, that's New Year's Eve, if you okay. don't know. Okay. Uh, they have these traditions uh, that they throw. A bucket of water out of the door, and uh, the story behind it—it's like wash away. I- I'm giving air quotes
1: as, <laughs> if, as if the listeners <laughs> can see me, but okay. <laughs> air quotes. I can see the air quotes. Don't worry, folks. I can attest
3: to fact. She's giving
1: air quotes.
0: <laughs> so the idea is to wash away all the bad things. From the old year as the new year approaches. So I think it's like pretty, pretty nice tradition. I love and that. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I found it interesting, but maybe it can be a little bit unlucky if you are passing by <laughs> <laughs> your neighbors and they throw the
1: water out. Yeah, that can be like. That might be, yeah, that might yeah. start for your year not to go too well. Yeah. But that's okay. But I like the tradition. That's really cool. I wonder if there's like a, um, does it say, and did it say anything in the article that you read about what they do before that? Or is it just, they throw the bucket of water out?
0: No, they they throw the bucket of water, but it says in the article that the tradition is, Mm -hmm. um, why is it water? Because they always had water. There were times they didn't have all the resources, but they (laughs) always had water. And it's like a symbol of, let's say,
1: wealth or the things you always have with you very cool there's you know an example um don't ask me why i'm jumping to this but uh when i finished walking the camino there's uh, they had at the end of it there was a pilgrimage blessing point that we went to and the priest who oversaw it at that time gave us all a piece of black paper and we went out back into the cloister behind the cathedral of Santiago and this was really cool it was a small group of us and it was kind of a similar sense obviously not related to a holiday tradition but a tradition of the ending of a pilgrimage and it was this, this paper was to signify all the things that you needed to let go of and release and that you should have done over the course of your pilgrimage, because now was a new beginning. And now you were going to go forward in a way that, you know, you transformed and changed and however that pilgrimage affected you. And then we burned them. We threw them into the fire. He had a little cauldron there kind of thing in a fire pit. So we threw them in and that was to symbolize again, releasing of the old self and coming into the new self. So similar in the way that they kind of throw the bucket of water to release the old parts yeah. of the year and, and start fresh with a new year. I really like that. Is there
0: even an expression um, clean slate? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I like that one. What do we say? We, in English too, we say out with the old and with the new. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Great place to start us off. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Cool beans. So what else you got? After Cuba. We moved to
0: Mexico in a town that, uh, which name I cannot pronounce. That's right. We were
1: trying to pronounce it. Yeah. Were, were we going with like so, Oaxaca? Oaxaca. Oaxaca. I, I really don't
0: want, I'm not
1: making fun of it. No, I really just, don't know how
0: to pronounce it.
1: Yeah. Agreed. But I don't know how to say Yeah. It.
0: A town in Mexico uh, on 23rd of December, they have this um, pretty unusual mm-hmm. tra- tradition, I would say, the night of the radishes. Yep. So in Croatia, we have radishes for Easter more than for Christmas, but oh, wow. okay. Uh, but we don't do the things they do with radishes. And um, rather than a Halloween pumpkin, Mexican artisans they carve the oversized radishes huh. and um, into small animals, into nativity scenes and the little buildings, and uh, yeah, they decorate their markets and uh, stalls and so on and people come to see them and i think it's pretty interesting to celebrate not only the holiday but a vegetable
1: also yeah. <laughs> celebrate I think a it's vegetable. healthy yeah and and fun celebrate a vegetable that's pretty cool so wait you said though also that in croatia you have radishes for easter is there something that you do for that particular no we just eat them OK, so
3: I'm, I, I'm familiar
0: with, with the vegetable, but like not in yeah. that way. So I so think you don't carve
1: them or anything. No, but maybe next year. Hey, You never know. <laughs> you could start a new tradition. Yeah. But is there something about Easter, the Easter holiday and radishes or is it just because radishes are in season then? I just don't. Yeah, they,
0: they are in season.
1: Okay. I, I Yeah, I,
0: I'm i not sure why did I even mention it. Just, no, but that's like, kind of cool. To show off that I
1: know what the radish is. Folks, if you didn't catch that, Andrea (laughs) knows what a radish is. This is good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I love that. Love it. Fabulous. All right. So we- Do you have something for us, maybe? Well, I have to say in the same article that you shared and that we looked at together, obviously, I loved, there was a- an interesting one. And again, we don't know how much truth there is to this. And I know that we actually have some members in our IWA, I believe from Japan. So I'm really curious if this is um, something that's out there, but there was something that mentioned Kentucky fried chicken is apparently a celebrated meal in Japan on December 25th, instead of having a, a homemade Christmas dinner that instead they eat Kentucky fried chicken. So, you know, we've got, and and KFC, this is like a big fast food restaurant in the United States, you know, the Colonel and all that kind of stuff. So apparently the special recipe for fried chicken is actually so popular that chains in Japan ask customers to place their orders at least two months in advance before Christmas. And this apparently was something that began back in the 70s and it was introduced to Japan because visitors wanted some kind of dinner during the holidays that resembled a traditional holiday meal. And in America, certainly chicken or turkey or some kind of meat is served for the Christmas holiday. So this is now apparently something that attracts not only the locals, but obviously visitors as well. And I found that to be really interesting, knowing that KFC is a very huge chain fast food chain in the u.s and i've certainly seen it in parts of europe as well
0: and the crazy part is that when you mentioned that tradition i was like okay maybe that's like a
1: couple of years before two or three years but from 70s yeah from the 70s mind-blowing from the 1970s so but i am i am again to the validity of this i i'm not sure so yeah if we have any members from Japan who please please are, contact us. Yeah, if you know about this, <laughs> confirm this information. If, if you've celebrated it, even if this is like a big thing, I'm 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 really curious about that because we read about it. Not yeah, I'm really curious to know. Maybe it's just parts of Japan, not the whole country. So uh, we recognize some of the traditions are celebrated throughout different regions. So yeah, so um okay, so we've been to Cuba and Mexico and Japan. Where else are we going?
0: I uh, suggest that we go somewhere. Hmm, is it fair to say somewhere more traditional? Sure, I'm go not for sure, it. Go but for it. Uh, I would propose England, and uh, that we listen for some of uh, the clips from
1: our members. Oh, perfect! Love it. And we have some members from the UK who shared their holiday traditions with us, which is great. And um, yeah, let's give a listen.
3: The Christmas Pudding by Carol from England. The Christmas Pudding is traditionally served after the turkey dinner on Christmas Day. A bit of history for you. Its origins date back to medieval times and it was originally a porridge type pudding of expensive sweet spices and dried fruit brought back to England by the Crusaders. Our modern day pudding of basically spices, dried fruits, suet and alcohol dates from Victorian times. It's traditionally made up on Stir Up Sunday at the end of November, about five weeks before Christmas, steamed for seven to eight hours and packed away to be reheated on Christmas Day. Before eating it, you douse it in alcohol, usually brandy, and set it on fire. My name's Sarah and I'm from Yorkshire in the north of England. We celebrate uh, Austrian traditions and English traditions around this time of year in our family. But I think one of the most special moments is when we're all sitting around the table for our Christmas dinner on the 25th of December. And um, everybody's looking forward to enjoying a nice meal together. Before we start, we pull a Christmas cracker. And inside the cracker, the contents of which tend to like spray everywhere across the table, um, is a party hat, a, a crown that you wear for the rest of the meal, a small gift and a terrible, terrible joke, um, which we tell each other um, before we start our meal. And that's um, always a special moment because everybody's there, everybody's together, and that's the most important thing for me. So just to leave you with a, a sample terrible Christmas cracker joke, what do you get if you cross Santa with a duck? A Christmas quacker. Mm, I know. Or what do you call a reindeer with no eyes? No idea. <laughs> okay, have fun, enjoy your holidays.
1: First of all, let me just say, I love the pudding one and it is fabulous because I remember talking to Carol Black about this. And when she shared that you set the thing on fire, I was blown away. (laughs) She was, it was so funny too, because she brought it out to show she has prepared it. She prepared it. What did she say? Like two months prior, Mm -hmm. um, And she showed it to us when we were on a call, it might've been a happy hour. I guess we were talking about all different traditions uh, recently as well. And then of course our cocktail party a couple nights ago, we were talking about it too. Um, But when she showed it on the camera, I was literally like mouth jaw drop kind of thing. And she goes, Carol, close your mouth. To look so shocked and I said but well, wait you really light it on fire and she goes yes I said you have to share that on the podcast
0: <laughs> I loved yeah, it I was always wondering why is it called pudding, pudding.
1: yeah but... That's a good question I don't know because to me it's funny because in America we have pudding as well but pudding is much more of a um a creamy, more like a yogurt. Yeah, yeah.
0: in Croatia also. So I I always thought it was something like that. And uh, then I realized it isn't. And I was like,
1: no, it looks more like it looks more like a cake to me. What, the or like a bread or something yeah, right 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 a yeah. consistency mm-hmm. of it but it's interesting because we do have in the state something called bread pudding and it is still a, a thicker more solid consistency but it's very very soft so maybe there's a similarity to it in the Christmas pudding that they do in the UK yeah
0: I don't know I just know I have to try everything and
1: Oh, perfect. Well, yeah. so Carol Black, heads up. We're coming to your place to light <laughs> it on fire and to try it. So just want to let you know. And the Christmas crackers that Sarah shared, love that too, because that is just Uh, she was talking about that on the cocktail party the other night too, and they were sharing. And one of the first things, if you see these crackers, like if you see what they look like, the two ends that you have to kind of pull apart and they make this loud explosion sound kind of thing. And the first question that came to my mind was, has anyone ever been injured by a Christmas cracker? Because I just feel like this idea of something exploding is a little like whoa is is there something that kind of spouts off from it or does it um fly somewhere or is there debris from it but no apparently that's not the case and sarah shared that nope nobody has ever been injured by a christmas cracker it's kind of cool but actually sarah mentioned that they've been really hard to find this year so I don't know if it's a matter of, you know, changes with obviously the, the UK government and Brexit and so forth, or if it's been supply chain challenges or what have you. But yeah, Christmas crackers have been a little difficult to find this year for folks who want to buy them. So, but either way, love it, love the traditions. And I think they're great. And then of course, another member of ours from the UK, Christine shared with us that she actually loves eating mince pies at Christmas. And here's the crazy part. Like I've heard about mince pies or mince meat before, um, like the word or the phrase I've heard before, but never really knew what it was. It never sounded appetizing to me. I have to be honest. However, what Christine shared, she said that these mince pies are delicious, small pastry pies that have a filling of dried fruit and spices. And they can be eaten either hot or cold, and they're always eaten at Christmas time. So I thought that was really cool. And I thought, wow, okay, so that doesn't sound disgusting at all. It sounds really good, actually. But I am very curious as to the history of the name. Where did mince pies or mince meat come from? So I don't yeah, know.
0: That would be also interesting to know. But I'm more interested in the taste of it. So maybe <laughs> we can visit Christine as well.
1: So, okay, heads up, Carol, we're coming to uh, Light Christmas Pudding on Fire and do a quick taste test. Sarah, we want to crack a cracker at your place. And Christine, have a mince pie ready for us. We're stopping by. (laughs) (sighs) So I love it. Great traditions from the UK. So good. What else we got on our list? We've got a couple other places too, don't we? I don't know about you, but one of the other ones that really stood out to me was... Well, I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm hesitant to bring up. Remember the one that we read about caroling with dead horses.
0: (laughs) This one was really. (laughs) Please do tell. Okay,
1: this one, and again, truly, honestly, I know that we have some members from Wales in our group as well, and this is apparently a tradition from Wales. So please, please, please tell us whether this is true, if this is a really old tradition, doesn't happen anymore, what have you, whatever it is. Um, it states that this is not, there's not a particular day when this tradition occurs, but it happens from the time of Christmas to late January. And the celebration is Mari Lude, I guess, or Mari Laud. I'm not sure how to say that either, but it's supposed to bring good luck. And it says that there is a person who dresses as a horse with an actual horse skull and is usually, I know it's okay. It's okay. Trust me. This is what was so fascinating and so interesting. I, I think I would struggle with this one, but um with a horse dresses as a horse with an actual horse skull and is usually accompanied by a group of people and they go the whole group goes to homes singing carols in exchange for food and drinks and it's said in what we read about the tradition that it's thought to stem from ancient celtic rites so we obviously don't know tremendous history about it but i found that one to be way out there like never never heard of something like that before ever so uh, any of our members from Wales if you're listening or if you're not listening and someone is listening who has a friend in our group that is from Wales please please we'd love to hear from you is this true is this something that still occurs today and maybe perhaps the origin of it because that one's really unique.
0: I'm just thinking it would be really really interesting if you don't know about that tradition and you are visiting Wales, <laughs> and <laughs> somebody knocks at your door and
1: you're like, what? And they're singing Christmas carols in a horse costume. Yeah. Oh my The God. thing is though, is that we wouldn't know particularly, I guess that they have the horse skull because I would imagine that that's in the costume, but I don't know. I don't know. That one was, that one kind we, of, we hope to find out. Yeah yep more to come on that one if we find out don't worry we'll follow back up on that in January so what else you got where else are we going
0: yeah we are going to Italy now
2: Love
0: so it. in Italy
1: we have this
0: um, hmm, I'm not sure how to call her her official name is La Befana
3: mm. or
0: La Befana I I'm also <laughs> not, not quite sure how to pronounce it but uh, Let's call her La Befana. Yep. and uh, she's more like a Mrs. Claus, let's say, but not not really. She has some similarities to Santa Claus, but uh, she's um, an ugly but <laughs> kind old witch. Okay, and she comes uh, on January fifth. That's the night uh, eve of Epiphany. Okay, and uh, she's something between santa claus and saint nicholas okay and she gives gifts to the good children and she gives i think call to the bad children and um, i'm not really sure Uh there's um, one more similarity to santa claus people people parents leave something to her can you maybe guess what like uh, they leave, uh, co- what do they leave for Santa Claus? Cookies and milk.
1: Cookies and milk, usually, yeah.
0: Yeah, our friend La Befana, <laughs> she's something else. Uh, so they leave her a place of broccoli with spiced sausage. What? Yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Also, if you have someone from Italy, please confirm please this confirm. information. <laughs> yeah, this one's please interesting. Confirm. And they leave her a glass of wine.
1: okay. And I'm not sure if
0: she's supposed to fly on her broom and drink at the same time, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I'm not sure if there's like broom police in Italy. That is fascinating. Yeah. She's also coming through chimneys. Yeah. I I would, I would like to hear from somebody who, who experienced that
1: tradition. She sounds very, very, very familiar to Santa Claus, but has some variations there. So that's really fascinating. But she's, she's like a
0: bit older than Santa okay. because the tradition is from 18th century. Okay. She's the part of the Italian folklore, so. Okay. Folklore.
1: I'm yeah. really, I'm curious too. Um, of course, as I'm sitting here, sunshine's blowing in my eyes now. Um, with, you know, Santa, I don't even know. And, and Santa is a big U.S. tradition, of course, but. Yeah. I, 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 I just
0: hearted. had an idea. Maybe Santa. <laughs> is Labefana's uh, son oh who migrated to us to live I, an american dream
1: I love... think about it. about there you have it folks the iwa podcast is officially giving you the origin of santa claus <laughs> yeah, sorry I, I don't want to offend anybody that
0: was just no, that's an not idea
1: offensive at all i think yeah. it's great that's fantastic okay so we have just found the origin of santa <laughs> He is the long lost son of La Befana and he migrated to the States and there you go, started the tradition. Bada bing, bada boom. I don't even know how Bro- long- From me differently. See, we'll see <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't even know how long Santa Claus has been around. I have no idea when Santa was started. So if anyone out there um, knows that information as well, I'd be really curious to know. And I'm really curious. So then does La Befana in Italy, does she replace Santa? Or do they also have Santa Claus in Italy? This is something else I don't know. So any of our uh, members from Italy, we'd be curious to know that because that's really, yeah, that's really cool.
0: Kind of fascinating. Yeah, I would also like to know that. I'm I'm not really sure.
1: Fascinating, fascinating. I know, so we've been talking a lot about obviously so many of these holidays are surrounding Christmas and, and even between Christmas and New Year's and so forth. Some of the other ones that obviously popped up and are very popular as well, Or for example, the Hanukkah holiday. So Hanukkah, and it's spelled two different ways, is the eight-day Jewish celebration that commemorates the rededication of the second temple in Jerusalem following the Maccabean revolt. So it's also known as the Festival of Lights, and it usually begins on the 25th of the Kislev on the Hebrew calendar. So I know that we have a few members that celebrate Hanukkah. Unfortunately, they weren't able to send in some of their traditions, but I can certainly say from a personal experience, growing up where I grew up in Philadelphia, it was a predominantly Jewish neighborhood, actually. And some of our very close friends who lived a couple houses down celebrated Hanukkah and would always invite us over to celebrate with them. And then they would come over our house on Christmas and they would celebrate Christmas with us. So it was a really cool tradition that we had just as neighbors. And it was neat to go there and see how they each of them had their own menorah. And they would all light their own candles and they sang the traditional song, which unfortunately I don't remember. I don't remember the Hebrew language. Um, And they had a traditional meal, which was gefilte fish. And again, I don't know the origins of that. So if any of our members can tell us about that, that would be awesome. But um, it was just really cool. And The eight nights of gifts, their parents didn't particularly do big gifts every night. They would do smaller ones, little ones throughout the majority of the week. And then a big one at the end is kind of how they did their Hanukkah celebrations. But it was just really um, a very, very sacred celebration that I remember. It was very, very sacred the way that they all came together and that they had the menorahs on the table and the space was sacred for them. Like there, for, for all of Hanukkah, they made sure that this one particular area of the house where they had the menorahs set up normally their table might've had, you know, mail or their keys or school books or something like that. But during Hanukkah, they made sure that that space was sacred and that nothing else would blemish the table, if you will. Um, which I don't know if that happens in every family or if that's tradition to every Jewish family or the Jewish custom, but it was definitely how my friends did it and how our neighbors did it. And that was really, really, really cool to see and be a part of. So I loved, I loved that. That was awesome and I Hanukkah, like that. Um, Hanukkah came really early this year I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off go ahead what were you going to say
0: no I, I <laughs> cut you off I wanted to say that um, I like that part of the tra- tradition where you keep one place like really sacred and uh, nothing can hurt it let's yeah. say nothing can go there and I, I um, really like that part
1: yeah It's really um, uh, one of some of the other things that the article said, obviously, that we were using as some of our research. It said that each of the holidays, eight nights, another candle is added to the menorah after sundown. It's all about timing as well. And the ninth candle called the shamash, which is the helper, is used to light the other candles. And it says typically blessings are recited in traditional Hanukkah foods such as potato pancakes, which are latkes and jam filled donuts. And there's a word here for that, but I don't know that, I I might mispronounce it, but it looks like sufganiyot, they are fried in oil. And then of course, other Hanukkah customs include playing with the dreidel and exchanging gifts, of course, each night. So yeah, really, really, really cool. So I'm curious, do we have any other messages from some of our members about their holiday traditions?
0: Yeah, actually, we have. We can go to North America. Maybe okay. there are some words about Santa. I'm not really sure. Perfect. Let's hear it.
3: Hello, this is Monica from Canada. Um, and my family's tradition was that every Christmas Eve, we would all
1: sit together on the couch and read the night before Christmas together. And once everyone could read, each person could take a turn reading one sentence. And even now that we're much bigger and it's much harder for us to all fit on the couch together, we still do it. And it's wonderful.
2: Hi, this is Sarah Crockett. So most of you know that I've been in Austria for quite a long time. But you may not know that I'm originally from California and I grew up in northern Idaho. And when I was growing up in northern Idaho every Christmas, my father and I would go out into the forest and he would actually chop down a Christmas tree with his axe. So I really enjoy this time of the year walking by the Christmas tree markets, the smell of the trees, the pine resin, and the wood reminds me of him and growing up in northern Idaho. Aww,
1: how nice. Those are really nice traditions. Yeah. I really like that one. Monica's Yeah, uh,
0: reading the story and how uh, each person read one sentence and that they still have that going on. I I really love it.
1: Yeah. Family traditions that have lasted through generations are pretty cool. When you think back of how it began and even regardless of the change in the size of the family or the location that it's still maintained today, that's really awesome. Good stuff. And cutting down a tree, that's, What Sarah's talked about, that's a very common thing in various parts of the US. Um, I don't know, is that something that you do in Croatia? Do you ever cut down Christmas trees? Not really.
0: There are some families that do that, I believe, but normally we buy one or... Yeah, I think it's the perfect time to share my story. So we used to live in this tiny apartment before the tiny house movement was even a thing (laughs) and we have this plastic tree because it was easier you know with you just put it up and down and uh, store it and you don't have to think next year about buying a tree and so on and then we moved um, in a bigger house and first year we, we took the tree with us And first year, we took the tree out from the box and took the branches apart and everything. We decorated the tree and, oh, how it's so beautiful. We found it uh, a spot in the living room. Okay, next year, we did the same. But then we realized, okay, maybe we don't have to put it in a box. And, you know, these plastic trees, each branch you have to... Uh, how do you say it? You Uh, have to spread the needles out. Spread it, yes. And it takes some time. So we decided, okay, maybe we can just like take the decorations off and we leave the tree as it is. So we spare some time next year and we put some foil around it and put it in the attic because we were in a house now. We had more space and so. And we did it like that for a year or two. And then we realized... (laughs) but how much time will we spare if we leave the decorations on? (laughs) So one year we just decided to leave the decorations on and we just wrapped some foil around it and put it back in the attic. And our tradition was literally putting the tree down from the attic, down in the living room. (laughs) And that was it. (laughs) That, That is my Christmas tradition i love it yeah it's it's a bit funny but it did save some time i have to admit but on the other hand i do miss like decorating christmas tree with with my family and so on and later as my sister and i grew my parents decided to get rid of that tree i believe after like 20 or so years wow and it became your tradition i love it yeah i'm not really sure many people have that tradition but yeah there you go it's unique do you have some family traditions
1: of course yeah we have a ton that we you know it's a shame because my family's so scattered now you know i have a, a sister in california a sister in new york a brother in philadelphia my parents are in jersey and i'm here so we're all over the place but um lots of traditions surrounding christmas but i really do want to highlight actually because it's kind of unique to where i grew up so it is based on location but it was the it's the tradition that i actually used as our you know little instructional video when i when you posted on facebook about when we were looking for audio clips and it's um it, it's this So, New Year's Eve, obviously, big celebration, right? And the New Year's Day is the holiday. And each of my family members used to take a day, a holiday that they would handle or host dinner. So, my aunt used to, my one mom's sister used to host New Year's Day. And that tradition ended a number of years ago when we all started moving to various parts of the world. But anyway, in Philadelphia, there is the New Year's Day Mummers Parade. And this is very, very specific to Philadelphia. So the Mummers are, and I don't even, I, I should just like Google it really fast. Like what, what is the, the tradition or the, the origin of the Mummers? But it, it is this unbelievably elaborately dressed and put together parade. And there are, we're talking thousands upon thousands of Philadelphians come to this parade every year on New Year's Day they get dressed up in these costumes that are colors that you've never seen before, hats and feathers and wings and crazy face masks and everything. It's probably the thing that I would maybe associate it closest to would be maybe Carnival in February in, in Italy where they celebrate with you know all, all of the masks and the dressing up and everything, probably very, very similar to that. Um, so it is this unbelievable parade where they have masks and banjos and outfits and they play music and there's something called the Mummer's Strut. So it is a dance. It is, it well, it's not even a dance. It really is a strut. It's a way of walking and there, it's a very specific way of walking. And of course I'm like putting hand motions to this as if anyone- Can you maybe demonstrate just for me? <laughs> I'll demonstrate how about this I'll demonstrate and do a video and then we can post it to Facebook and say here's the oh, yeah yeah'll yeah, we'll do like that. This, this is the Mummers strut and maybe I'll try and get a clip but if you can you should google it the Mummers Parade in Philadelphia on New Year's Day is a huge tradition and there's food of course and traditional food in Philadelphia you've got soft pretzels and cheesesteaks and water ice and I mean all kinds of deliciousness and it's usually down in South Philly which is actually the very heavily populated Italian part of the area of the city. Um, so just, just an incredible, awesome, fun tradition. And people love to have a great time there. And the Mummers are um, like generational family members are involved in it so if you've been a mummer you know then you can trace it back like your great 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 grandfather was a mummer as well and you bring your kids into it and it really is a big huge festival so it's a lot of fun it's really cool it's a lot of um neat stuff that you can do in philly on new year's day it sounds really really fun and music and everything with it it's just it's cool is
0: there a mummer school or something Can you take a class or do you just pass it on? That's
1: a good question. I don't know. So, here you go. Look, I just did this. So, local clubs, usually called New Year's associations, they compete in five different categories. Okay. So, there's the comics, the wench brigades, the fancies, the string bands, and the fancy brigades. (laughs) Okay. They prepare elaborate costumes, performance routines, and they have movable scenery which they're putting together like months in advance. And this is done in clubhouses. Of course, they're putting all this stuff to, uh, to, together in the clubhouses, many of which are on or near 2nd Street called 2 Street by our local residents in South Philadelphia, which is the South Philadelphia section, serves as a big gathering place. So it is just a massive, oh, here you go. First Mummer's Parade, the first official was January 1st, 1901. Hmm it's a long tradition 1901 so it is but when you see the costumes and the sequence and the uh, it's it's unbelievable so just google be
0: be sure to send me the link and we will
1: put them we'll put it out there it's phillymummers.com. You really got to check it out. It's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty elaborate. So this is a big time tradition from my good old home city, Philadelphia, and it's New Year's day every year. So it's really cool. That's our fun tradition.
0: And speaking of elaborate traditions. Yeah. I would like to mention one. Oh, go for it. From our current country. Ooh. From Austria. Good old I'm not Austria. sure if you are yeah, familiar with that. Krampuslauf.
1: Okay, you got to fill me in on this cuz I have heard a few things but I have not experienced it but it sounds quite frightening to be quite honest.
0: Yeah, so Krampus, it's um, this scary figure. It's particularly known in central Central Europe. Uh, we know it in Croatia also. It's known in Austria, Hungary, Slovakia, Slovenia so Germany We're, too, right? Doesn't Germany, Germany too, yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, that's um, like a scary creature, a beast, you can call it. Okay. And he usually goes with Saint Nick's on um, December, uh, December fifth. And um, Saint Nick's goes to the good kids, and Krampus goes to the bad kids. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the main difference. Yeah, I was familiar with the character. But then I came to Austria and I saw there is a Krampus love. And, but initially I really thought, okay, maybe Krampus, I don't know, maybe it's Santa clauses, people dressed as Santas, they run through the city, there's a marathon or something. That was really my first thought. And then I went with my husband actually. And as we were approaching the event, like... Yeah that's a really big thing here okay obviously not the last two years but back in the days yeah uh, the streets are closed uh, people go home earlier from work because it's a huge thing here so on december 5th and you have this parade of these creatures so as we were approaching you can hear the music and music is i'm, I'm not sure do you know about rammstein
1: no
3: Mm -mm.
0: it's like heavy metal something music like hardcore really okay and they like scream into microphones or something um also i don't want to offend anybody's music choices (laughs) that's not the point nope Uh, but it's really it's really scary music and uh, yeah it sounds like terrifying and scary and so on and then the parade starts there's lightning there there's smoke and you see these creatures come. Oh, oh my God, it's so scary. So Krampus is huge, they, they have these horns, so they have red eyes, they, they have these masks. So you have many organizations and Verein, uh, huh? I'm not yep. sure about English one, um, here in Austria that prepare the whole uh, year for this parade they have their own masts, their vehicles, it's all scary, uh, vehicles have fire coming f- from it, uh, there's fireworks, they scare children, they have these <laughs> bells and they are so loud and screamy and scary, and, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is great, I love this tradition, this because could- it's so out of this world, you know, it, it's something I, I I really never seen anything like it before. We have this tradition in Croatia for New Year's, uh, I think in Zadar. People jump in the sea to celebrate like the New Year's and it's a bit like weird because it's winter and it's cold. It's maybe 10 degrees or so, but it's fun. But this is really scary and really something different. So yeah. Yeah, maybe it's a bit unusual for people who don't know Krampus because yep. like in US you have Saint Nick and Santa Claus and like that's all. Yep. But here in Europe, <laughs> yeah. If <laughs> you have not been good in Europe, you look out. You have Lambefada, you yep. have Krampus. Yeah. Just look out. Yep, look yeah. out. So, Watch out. Yeah, I really, really love this tradition and I hope next year it will be back and we can enjoy maybe um, together it's it's pretty great thing
1: when my husband first sent either like a picture or something from one of the Krampus festivals or parades he went to when he first moved back to Austria I literally looked at and I went what the heck are you doing what is that why are you at it, it? It really did look like some sort of strange, crazy, like devil thing that was going on. It was just so insane to me. And yeah, like you said, we're not used to anything like that in the States with regards to that kind of um, festival approach to it. So I was really taken aback by it and I didn't know what to think. But yeah, that it is very popular here. Very, very popular. And I know what was. What's even more interesting, because I'll, this is actually kind of a good segue into what I wanted to talk about with the Chinese New Year, we were discussing this before as we were prepping for the podcast, there are some of these traditions out there, which I really would like to know the origins, where some of these monsters or beasts are all about scaring and frightening and eating little children, and... <laughs> i don't know where they came from like were kids really that bad that they had to develop you know one of the other, I, I just think that the parents wanted
0: more peace and <laughs> obedience so
1: so they you know some yeah. of that they invented, if you don't you know. take your wages. <laughs> yep if you don't do this this is what's going to happen well i laugh because in the states a more recent tradition that's popped up associated with christmas is called the elf on the shelf which is this book that you read to kids and there's a little elf that comes with it and parents, good luck. You have to move the elf around for, for 20 days. days, essentially trying to show the kid that you're being watched. Like this little elf is Santa's helper and he's going to report back to Santa uh, whether you've been a good kid or not. So that's something that they've started in the, in the United States, not too long ago, maybe 10, 15 years at this point, but these traditions that like Krampus. And when I talk about the Chinese new year that have gone on for centuries, we're talking like centuries, old traditions around these monsters coming up and eating your children. uh, Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Rock on how interesting, but it's just, it's fascinating to me. Absolutely fascinating to me. So, okay, Krampus and then Chinese New Year. When we were doing some research around the Chinese New Year, this is also something that's a huge, hugely celebrated festival. There's never really any set date for the Chinese New Year. It just says, um, according to the lunar calendar, the Chinese New Year ranges usually from January 21st to February 20th. And in 2022, it will occur on actually February 1st. Um, So it can move around a little bit just depending on certain things. Again, in the articles that I was reading about the Chinese New Year, it's a day for praying to gods. It's a spring festival. And what I found so interesting was it's also a day for fighting off monsters. So the myths, according to the legend, there was a monster that would come about every New Year's Eve and people would hide in their homes. But, and I've read two different myths about this. One Mm -hmm. said that there was an old man who came into town and um they wound up dressing things decorating the place in red and this wound up frightening off the monster so then it became more tradition that everything is covered in red and then the myth of the firecrackers came in to say so there there was another story that says most people would hide in their homes but a boy was brave enough to fight off a monster using firecrackers so the next day people celebrated their survival by setting off even more firecracker crackers and that's kind Kind of what became a big part of the festival so it's it's just fascinating to see some of these um pieces of the chinese new year and the events but there's everything from a friend of mine actually celebrates the chinese new year every year her mother's chinese and and she would get red envelopes with money. There was also something about that, that if you, what, what they discovered, the legend tells that when this little girl was going to sleep and wanted to fight off the monsters, uh, there was some sort of demon or monster that came into her room at night, but they had put gold coins on a red piece of paper and the gold flashed at the monster when he came in and it's frightened the monster and that shoot him away. So then they found putting gold or money into a red envelope became part of the tradition. So that's another big part of it as well. And one of the things that I read said that actually the Chinese New Year is celebrated by more than 20% of the world. And it is the most important holiday in China and to Chinese people all over. So, um, really, really cool. And again, I I know that we have some members who are from China and we would be interested to hear their take on the Chinese New Year also, because I think that would be a really cool thing to learn a little bit more about. And I was just
0: wondering, um, like there is this tradition in Croatia also more believing maybe that if you on Sylvester's Eve, if you have to wear something red. So oh, yes. you have, you have luck the next Good year. Luck. So maybe,
1: maybe that's something connected to the Chinese there is. New Year. Yes, it did say something about that wearing red yeah. for sure. Yeah. And it says here that, you know, the Chinese decorate everything red for the Chinese New Year. It says here that Every family will completely deck their entire homes out. Firecrackers crack- fire are not the only thing that scared the monster away. Red is also an invaluable mm-hmm. weapon. They hang up red lanterns and strings, either real or fake chili peppers. They will paste red paper onto their doors and windows and even more. And then, of course, it says new clothes are also believed to bring good luck and start fresh. So people will add new red clothing to their spring festival wardrobe as well, which is for the Chinese New Year. And I heard that. I I remember, didn't we have a color therapy with um, mm-hmm. Verena in our group, and she said it is also common practice to wear red on New Year's yeah. because it's good luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, really cool. And I think there's something also good luck here in Austria, like with pigs, pigs or swine bring good luck. But I don't remember the details around that one. Yeah, I'm
0: not really sure what they do. They give each other these little pigs, and they. Sh- they bring luck or something? Yeah, yeah ma- maybe luck. we should have researched that, I didn't
1: <laughs> that. Or, or please our Austrian members, please do um... share that one too. I'm curious yeah. as to the origin of that. I just remember my first year here, my husband's Oma. Um, I don't remember if it was a pig snout or a pig foot or a pig, pig something, but she cut a piece of the pig off and wanted me to eat it for good luck for New Year, <laughs> and my husband's vegetarian and I looked at him and I was like, okay, I'm not vegetarian, but I'm not going to eat a raw piece of pig. Like I, I just can't do- what is she doing? Is she, does she really expect me to eat that? And he said, yeah, it's supposed to be good luck. I said, tell her to make the piece smaller. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to eat a piece of raw pig. <laughs> oh, that that's really the, it was interesting. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, unconventional. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Let's there you use go. There you go. Unconventional. I, I know
0: they, they give each other like little figurines. Yeah. And so with yep. pigs, but
1: I didn't heard that one yet. Oh. Yeah. And I didn't want to offend her because I, again, oh, this is to me. I didn't know, uh, but I definitely looked at Florian and I said, no, cut that pig piece down yeah. smaller. I am not eating raw pig. I can't do it. I'll go with bad luck if I have to <laughs> but
0: wait wasn't the next year the pandemic yeah it was (laughs) carol
1: please (laughs) what did you do to us Andrea? (laughs) i guess i should have eaten the pig
0: (laughs) yeah we'll never know now whoopsie next time if she offers don't refuse okay
1: i'll eat it if she cuts a piece of pig i'll eat it this year no worries no worries So wait, really quick, a couple other ones that stand out to me, I have to mention. Kwanzaa is a hugely celebrated holiday. It celebrates African-American heritage. Um, It was founded in 1966. It is actually a week-long holiday and it is observed also with candle lighting uh, very similar to hanukkah but not the same and it is considered to be actually a secular holiday it's not a faith based or religious holiday it is derived from a swahili word that is uh, that references the word first in swahili so that's what it means and it was there was a huge rebellion in los angeles in the 1960s in a particular neighborhood and the unrest of what happened there pretty much inspired an activist to work through finding ways to kind of bring unity back to the area and to find a way to empower the African-Americans in that particular area. So they went through this whole process and he created Kwanzaa and it is, um, I think it's seven days actually, not eight. So it's seven days and they say it begins the day after Christmas and each day is steeped with symbolism and ceremony. So they begin with a straw mat that symbolizes the traditions at the heart of the Holidays Foundation. And upon the mat, they place other meaningful items like assorted fruits and vegetables to symbolize their collective labor. And they put ears of corn to represent their children and then a candle holder that stands for a shared African heritage. And then they put a black candle in the center of the holder. And then either side is flanked by three red candles and three green candles, which of course make up the color of the African flags. Um, So they gather together, they light a candle and they reflect on the seven principles of Kwanzaa. And again, the the names of the principles are based on Swahili, so the language. Um, But basically it kicks off with unity and then they have other principles for self-determination, collective work, responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. So it was really cool to read more and more about Kwanzaa. I had a number of women that I went to high school with um, in Philadelphia. My high school was a majority um, of the population was African-American. So many of them celebrated Kwanzaa. But it doesn't mean that every African-American celebrates Kwanzaa. So it's not necessarily that everyone does. But a number of my friends did. And it was really fascinating to see some of the ways that they honored their principles and the traditions and what they brought back to their culture. So that was a really cool thing to read more about as well.
0: No, I wanted to say it sounds really interesting and I'm listening to you and you were talking about uh, Hanukkah with neighbors and Kwanzaa with um, school colleagues. And I have to admit, I miss that adversity in mm. because we mostly know about Christmas. Okay. Now with the internet and Yeah, maybe we have some more information, but yeah, we mostly have Christmas and we celebrate Christmas and New Year's.
1: So. Sure. Yeah, but it's it's fascinating, even just in prepping for this episode, there are so many different holidays and traditions, both secular and faith-based, that are celebrated around the world during these two months, December and January, and into February even. And I mean, there's tons more that we could mention. Boxing Day in the UK, but also in the Netherlands. Um, Another one I saw that's apparently very popular, a Japanese tradition of Omisaka. Again, I apologize if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. And we saw so many different traditions that you and I read about, St. Basil's Day and and different traditions that happen in January and February. Holidays that are celebrated, time off, and things that we just don't even know are happening and various parts of the world are celebrating them. So it's really, really kind of cool when you think about it. And just within our own group alone... And the IWA, we represent approximately 30 different countries and cultures. And it's amazing to think that just within our little group here of expat women, that there are so many different things that we're celebrating throughout the year. And it would be really cool to learn even more about them. So uh, we do want you to share. And if there's something, again, that we perhaps stated incorrectly or got Maybe a little off base, um, let us know. Email us, iwagratz.podcast at gmail.com, and definitely let us know. We'd love to hear about it. So, as we get ready to wrap up, I think we have one more we can share, right? Another clip from one of our members.
0: Yeah, we have one more clip. And I just wanted to agree with you. I think that's really, really amazing that we have so much representation from all over the world in our group. I have to say, I, I, I
1: hope we will expand even more. I agree. Actually, our next clip is from one of our members from our partner membership, the AWA in Vienna. And um, yeah, she's also a member of the IWA as well. But yeah, let's hear from Virginia. And she's also... A good friend of mine. Yes, okay. very, very good friend of mine. Yeah, I've known I'll have to fill that one in after her clip. We'll listen to her clip okay. and I'll share. Yeah. Okay. Let's listen
2: then. Hi, this is Virginia Sheridan, originally from New Jersey, but have lived all over Asia and Europe. And now here we are in Vienna and I'm a member of AWA uh, Vienna and a member of IWA. Graz. Uh, my Christmas our Christmas traditions. Well, the girls were born in Hong Kong and we didn't live in the United States. We actually have never been in the United States for Christmas. Uh, so we've always had our own celebrations and made our own traditions. And one of them is on Christmas Eve, we always go to separate corners of the house and wrap our gifts while we're playing Christmas music in the background, generally the bells of Dublin by the chieftains. And we watch Charlie Brown Christmas and the Grinch while having hot chocolate, sometimes spiked. And uh, we each get to choose to open one gift before we go to bed. So that's our special tradition. We get up in the morning and we have Leibkuchen pancakes and we put a uh, fireplace graphic, or fireplace video on the television and then we open gifts. And generally go for a walk, make phone calls, and that's our not-so-exciting Christmas tradition. We didn't go back to the U.S. for Christmas, but we often traveled. And when we did, uh, we were someplace for Christmas. We didn't travel, of course, with all of our ornaments or the tree, but I always traveled with a little uh, folder of craft paper and a glue stick, and we would get some kind of a, of a tree and we would make our own ornaments, sometimes sourcing them from markets and sometimes making them from whatever we found on the ground or um, napkins from restaurants or whatever. It was pretty creative. And one year we celebrated Christmas in Australia in the um, Margaret River area where they do not have evergreen trees, we found out. So we sourced a, a twig. A big twig, from in the the forest, and uh, we made up a song about the Christmas twig, and we decorated that, and that was our, our Christmas that year. But it was it was loads of fun. It's always fun, um, making up these traditions as we go, and the girls have learned to be very flexible at Christmas time. Thanks for letting me share.
1: So one of the things I love about what she shared with her tradition is, as she said, she has never been. Um, I, I won't even call it home for her because the U.S. isn't really home for her anymore. She's lived in so many different parts of the world. And what she had to do was they had to make their own tradition up to where they were. And that's kind of what I love, the flexibility that they had to still celebrate what they needed and wanted to celebrate and were flexible around it. And I think some of the, you know, one of the hardest things about, being an expat, living somewhere that's again, not your home country where maybe you're surrounded by your family and friends that you've known for so many years. Um, you kind of have to forego some traditions occasionally as well. And this can be really hard for people. And one of the things I love about Virginia is her resilience to just roll with the punches. She has lived in Singapore and Hong Kong and been back in San Francisco and then in Vienna. Um, So it's just unbelievable the parts of the world that she's been. And each time had to adjust and tweak based on her family and managed to still create traditions within her her group and her family and and take them with them wherever they go around the world. So it's really really cool. It, the crazy backstory is Virginia's known me since I was 13. So she actually worked with my dad for a number of years in the 80s and 90s. Um, and I worked for my dad starting when I was 13. I would come in during summertime and play his secretary and you know answer phones and stuff at the front desk, which was a lot of fun. So I've known- Doing HR. Exactly, doing HR. That was my first test into it. You know, I was the boss's daughter, so I was wandering around doing all kinds of crazy things. But um, Virginia, so my family's known her for years And it's just crazy that the timing and the way that it worked out that she's in Vienna, her husband works for a company that sent him here. And so this is, you know, they've moved around the world based on his job. Uh, So she's lived in a lot of different parts of the world and experienced a lot of different cultures. And so now she's based in Vienna and it was just odd, crazy timing that then I moved here to Austria. So I do actually have a family friend just two hours away which is really kind of cool. and she's been really pivotal in helping me adjust and get, you know, acquainted with things in Austria and just expat life. So, uh, I was really excited when she decided to share a little of her tradition as well, which is really cool. So what
0: the small world,
1: small world, I'm telling you, small, small world, unbelievable. So it's been great. Cause she's been able to reconnect with my parents when they came to visit and, um, yeah, been a lot of fun. So really, really fun. But I love that. I think that's a great way to end our episode today that, um, you know, whatever traditions you may celebrate for whatever holiday or whatever reason around this time of year. Uh, and if you can't celebrate it the way that you normally would, remember that you can be flexible with it and start your own and recreate and make them a little different, you know? As we get older and move into various parts of the country and, and various parts of the world, things are gonna shift and change and we've gotta kind of adapt and, and make our own of it, right? So I think it's kind of a, a great thing to acknowledge tradition and to recognize and to still have traditions. Um, and then I also think it's great to kind of start new as well when you can't quite live it the same way that you used to growing up.
0: I completely agree. And all of this just
1: reminds me of that saying, uh, home is where the heart is. Love it. So listeners, thank you for joining us on our little travel trip here as we ventured out through a lot of different countries and traditions. We are so grateful for those of you who sent in emails and clips. And again, we welcome more. Send us an email and and correct us where we've been perhaps incorrect. And we
0: apologize for all the mistakes. Yes. For all the uh, mispronunciations, for all misinformation.
1: if we have something wrong. But we hope that regardless, uh, again, we certainly did our research and, and what we did find was really fascinating and interesting and, of course, unique. And we love to share it. So we hope that you got a kick out of some of them and maybe even a few ideas for some traditions you might begin on your own. But yeah, we are drawing to a close here at the IWA podcast for the end of 2021. This is our last episode of the year, but we encourage you to join us first thing in January because we have a cool exercise that we are going to walk you through. Toss the resolutions to the side, folks. New Year's resolutions just don't stick. So we've got something better for you. So we want you to join us, grab a pen and paper, and we're going to walk you through a really great exercise come beginning of January to get yourself off on the right foot for a good year in 2022. And yeah. We wish you whatever holiday you celebrate, whatever tradition you love to do, we wish you a very happy, happy and healthy holiday season and a absolutely awesome and wonderful start to the new year from here at the IWA podcast. So until next time. Enjoy. Bis später. Tschüss.